0: Cinnamon, we're gonna run to? gonna run to? gonna run to? How the dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the HBO Boys Podcast. Today, we are recapping and reviewing episode three of the cosmic horror HBO series Lovecraft Country. This episode is entitled Holy Ghost. And was directed by Daniel Sackheim and written by Misha Green, the exact same team that did episode two. Did you like my kind of OG version
1: of Howdy Dream Cowboys, James? Yeah, I I I guess it was kind of a throwback there, huh? It was. The first two episodes of the Lovecraft Country playlist I did I was kinda goofing, but but not this time. I did one of the my like took take myself too seriously. Low and slow Howdy Dream Cowboys. Feels good. Feels good to be back in the back in the saddle.
0: Yeah, and people who haven't been with us from uh, Westworld are probably pretty confused as to why we opened the show that way. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Just strew
1: that to the side. And don't worry. As you said, the same team who brought us episode 2 brought us episode 3. And I'll say right off the bat that what we, I I think, predicted came true. Where episode two was a little odd. You kind of fell off a little bit because it was the finale of one story that was broken into two. And episode three was the beginning of a new story. So it got good again. Oh, and also before we keep going, we have a Patreon. Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash HBO Boys, HBO BOIZ, give a dollar or more a month and you get at least two extra podcasts or bonus episodes. I recently put up a trailer reaction to Raised by Wolves premiere tomorrow, by the way. We'll have a podcast about that in the future, as well as we just put up a bonus episode podcast of relationship advice episode two featuring adam a newcomer alex and myself so go to patreon.com slash the hbo boys boys the Z, give a dollar bunch of great content
0: yeah i i have i have just completed writing a scenario for a two-part call of cthulhu tabletop campaign which uh you know sometime before the end of uh the love calf country run we're gonna do all right oh bold bold promises but that's uh that's that's for patrons only so if you want to hear us role play it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a funny sort of 1930s lovecraft campaign but with elements of every single one of the shows that we've done so far it'll be fun wow i'm excited that sounded sarcastic i actually am excited i hope you are because if you're not I am then doubt- let's just fucking forget the thing all right i'm fucking excited fuck you <laughs> So we cold open on Letty crying in church. I presume she's probably sad about what happened to George and then also the terrible things that happened to her in the first two episodes. She died. Right. Like Lazarus or Jesus or, or, you know, several other characters in fiction. She is dead and reborn. So that's got to be an interesting experience. In the books,
1: George gets murdered and then reborn, and I think that... Storyline has just been kind of translated over to Letty as George is no longer with us after episode two. George also might be Tick's father. We don't know. Anyway, but in Game of Thrones, someone actually asks a certain character who dies and then comes back to life. Look at me go. I didn't do spoilers. And they're like, what was on the other side? And they, not even giving a possible gender, was like, oh, nothing. Nothing was over there. And Letty hasn't even had the chance to talk about that. She just came back and she's like, I have to like deal with Uncle George being gone and I recently was murdered. This is no good. Also, magic is real? Yeah.
0: And the white people have it. This is bullshit. So this episode then starts to transition and it it kinda reminds me of like an eighties or nineties horror movie. We get a black screen with a little bit of title. You know, this is based on a true story. Five people moved into a house on the north side of Chicago, and ten days later, three were dead. A mystery within a mysterious show. So we get the title, Day One. Letty takes her sister Ruby to a house that she bought on Chicago's mostly white north side. It's a creepy rundown Victorian, which Letty plans to make into a boarding home, which is also the business that Ruby is already in. Letty doesn't explain
1: exactly how she got the money for said house, but she brings Ruby in, she gets her excited about it, She shows her an elevator that almost chops her
0: head off. And you're like, oh, man, this house seems creepy as fuck. Ruby is reluctant to sign on to the project because she knows that Letty is pretty unreliable. But eventually Letty, you know, leans on her like, hey, come on, you're my only sister. We're in this together. And so she agrees. Oddly enough, most unreliable people are weirdly
1: charismatic in fiction.
0: Right. Where in real life, it's just like, you know, the person who makes a ton of plans, never follows through, says they're going to do something for you, doesn't show up. And, uh, yeah. You you lovable scamp. (laughs) Right. No,
1: it's, it's like well known or like, no, that, that person is a bailer and a thief. Don't trust that person as far as you can throw them. But in fiction, they're
0: like, you know, I just, I keep coming They've always got a heart of gold. It's like, well, I've failed you many times and let you down personally, but, uh, you know, blood is thicker than water. Right. Oddly enough, I believe in you 100% once more. At George's home, Tick, his aunt Hippolyta, and his cousin Dee are attempting to return to some form of normalcy after George's death, with Tick kind of taking over the role of man of the house, but it is clear that Hippolyta is having some difficulties with him, and he seems to pick up on that. I have rewatched,
1: by the way, episodes one, two, and then I watched three because Sam decided that she wanted to watch the show, and so we've gotten into it, and I realized while I was watching episode one, I've been saying Hippolyta, and I feel awful about it, because that is not that character's name. No, that, Her name well, is that, Hippolyta. That's
0: very on brand for Ryan and I. Uh, any any name that has more than five letters, we can't pronounce, which right, again- I true or I, remember I, that I always point this out I also have an ethnic name which is difficult to pronounce correctly just by reading it and so I empathize I have a
1: Irish name that is easy and ready to go also there's a famous television show with my last name it's very simple so I cannot relate yeah
0: Ryan Dawson Is his name yes I'm James Vanderbeek <laughs> yeah you also doxed our friend Alex about a hundred times in the last premium episode
1: Hey, listen, he'll ask me, he's asking me right now, we, James, our friend Alex, Adam, who you probably met on some Patreon episodes, and a bunch of our other friends made videos in high school, and it was recently where, right after that podcast that we did, Alex was like, you need to take most of the
0: things that are on the internet down, I'm a real human (laughs) being now. Tick goes to visit his dad's apartment, where he finds him passed out, hung over on the floor. Tick throws water in his face to wake him up. There's a bit of an aside here, which is something that I think is going to come up later. Tick reminds his dad of a story that George told him. When Montrose and George were boys, they were saved by a group of assailants by a broad-shouldered mystery man with a baseball bat.
1: Hey, James. Yeah. Do, do you think Tick went back in time? Yeah, and exactly.
0: Tick went back in time and saved his dad and uncle. Mm-hmm. Right. And then said, Yeah, for sure. I got you, kid. And by the way,
1: Montrose is drinking. I don't know if you ever stopped, but he's drinking a bunch.
0: Tick asks his dad to let him stay here for just a while longer as he no longer feels welcome in Hippolyta's home. Montrose agrees, but then the two of them have a shouting argument because Tick wants to tell her the truth of what happened to George in Ardham. And Montrose is like, oh, so you want to tell her that monsters and magic and demons and resurrection are real? Is it not just simpler to say like, you know, he got shot by the sheriff, but then we got revenge for him since, you know, that, that nearly happened anyway. So
1: yeah, it would just be easier. So, you know, Tick and Montrose agreed for perhaps one, two moments tops until they get into a shouting match once more. And Tick is like, well, I can't stay here. You're not probably even my dad. I forgot
0: about that plot thread. Yeah, who knows what's going on with that.
1: He didn't say that for real. He still thinks Montrose
0: is his dad, but he's probably not his dad. George is probably his dad. Day two now. Several members of the Southside community are helping Letty to refurnish her new boarding home. Tick comes to visit her. He wants to say goodbye as he's going to go back to Florida. She tells him, oh, you should stay a little longer. We're having a housewarming party. He said, well, I I told my boss I'd be gone for an hour a month ago, so I need to get back. I like that joke. That was
1: solid. But obviously, he just wants to leave. He wants to leave what happened in Massachusetts behind. It's odd that he wants to leave Letty behind after she went through something so traumatic just two or three weeks ago. But he's running away from his uncle being dead, although that kind of turns around because at the same time this conversation is happening, outside, the white people come and start being dickbags, as they do.
0: Yeah, several white Northside residents appear in front of their house. They park a couple of their cars in front of their lawn. One of the cars, the horn is just blaring with a brick tied to the horn so. The horn is just going off constantly at all times in order to intimidate Letty and her friends, which Tick then decides he will stay longer to protect them. And I I just have a question. I don't know a lot about cars, but would this work? Like, could you put a brick on a horn and just have it go all day and night for days? I probably know less than you do
1: about cars, but from my limited knowledge, I would say, assumably, the battery would die eventually, but I don't know about. Is the, the horn cars. even
0: electronic? How does this works? If anybody knows how a car no works, idea.
1: right into the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure someone will know. I may, perhaps it's just like there's a duck in there. And it's Mm -hmm. just poking Mm -hmm. the duck over and over Mm -hmm. again. That Mm -hmm. seems as likely to me as a battery driven or piece of electronic.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that that's probably true. And I will go ahead and and I'll I'll, I'll repeat that in an adult situation and see how it works. I'll say that at my next work meeting. I'll teach it to my kids. I'm just like in a business meeting. So, uh, random question, guys. How often do you feed the duck in your car, which works as the horn? Day three. Day three. Lady is in bed when the mutilated ghost of a woman tears her blankets off, waking her up. It's creepy as fuck. Yeah, well, I was I was, I was, was thinking about, like, oh, Ryan hates horror movies, and now he has to have to deal with this.
1: <laughs> I do. I'm getting more and more into them because Sam really likes them. And Jordan Peele actually was being very helpful by making relatable horror, I would call it. Mm-hmm. In Get Out and what's the other one? Us. Yeah, us. Anyway, those two movies were really, really great. And I, I've said it in the past, but my problem with horror movies is less like the whole genre. I don't, I don't think is bad. I just don't like when entertainment value is things jumping out at you. But an old lady with a bloody jaw who's deaf a ghost and coming up real slow, like that's not jumping out at you. That's more just like the fuck happened to that old lady?
0: Well, I like that she, yeah, she just kind of appears and rips the blankets off to, like, be mischievous or whatever, because a lot of times in horror movies, like, the ghosts will show up and be spooky, but they won't interact with the characters at all, so it's like, so why did why is the ghost even here? Did, to scare me in the audience? Is, is the ghost looking through the fourth wall?
1: There is a moment later that is a main character in a mirror, and you're like, Ugh. What fucking ghost is going to be in that goddamn mirror? Like, that was a bit cliche, but at least
0: this moment,
1: the lady was just like, yeah, you're going to be cold.
0: Time to wake up. Letty is frustrated because she looks out the window, or she opens the window and hears the, the horn is been, still blaring, been going all night. She goes down to the basement to check out on the water heater when she hears a scary thumping noise from underneath the floorboards, which sends her screaming Mm-mm. out of the basement to go and find Tick.
1: Mm-mm. Burned the house down at that point, just immediately.
0: Right, like, I, don't, I don't know why these characters, I would never, I'd just seal off the basement, obviously, never go down there again. If there's a basement in the basement, and that can
1: never be trusted.
0: Yeah, together they go to check on the sub-basement, but they find it Empty and Letty tries to convince Tick, but he already believes her. He's like, yeah, well, obviously ghosts can be real if psychic powers and demons and monsters are real.
1: Right. You died last week. Shit is nuts around us all of a sudden. I'm not gonna be like, you're crazy. I believe you, it's fine.
0: Tick tries to comfort her and he says that he will stay at the boarding house uh for a little while longer until this trouble With the racist neighbors and the ghost has passed, she says it's really not necessary, but he insists because of romance.
1: Yeah, she doesn't need to be protected. This is Letitia
0: fucking Lewis, but he's sticking around because I think he loves her. Later on, we see the housewarming party. Letty speaks to Hippolyta about Tick in the kitchen as they're grabbing some hors d'oeuvres and drinks. Hippolyta says she actually liked having Tick around because it was good for Dee. But at a certain point, he began to remind her too much of George, who she's still grieving over. I mean, it's only been three weeks, so I think a lot of these people have moved on quite quickly. Right. Reminding
1: her too much of George... Another hint that perhaps his lineage is different than he believes. Also, Hippolyta believes that she's being lied to by Montrose and Letty and Tick, and she keeps
0: asking for the truth and nobody's giving it to her, so she's very frustrated. In the attic during the party, Dee and her friends are playing with a Ouija board, and they seem to contact a spirit. They ask who they're speaking to, and it what well, it spells something out, doesn't it? I, I wasn't. I think it says George is dead. Ah. Uh... That sucks. Yeah, it does suck. (laughs) Uh, Don't play
1: the Ouija board. It's just, it's not a fun game. By the way, one of the little boys who was playing with D was supposed to be Emmett Till. What? Yeah. He asks if he's going to have a good trip and it says no. Holy shit. That's, That's fucking dark. Yeah. If you all don't know, Till was killed in 1955 on a trip to Mississippi from Chicago. So, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. well,
0: that yeah. changes that scene a lot. Yeah, for sure. When Hippolyta goes to look for Dee and the other kids, she finds a room with a strange solar system model in it, which she seems to be drawn to. This scene with her going into the room and seeing the solar system, there's like a slight callback to it, but we don't really know why she went in there, or what she found there.
1: Right. In a previous episode, she's been looking through a telescope at Cassiopeia. She has a pension for the stars, which it's been referenced twice now, so definitely has to come up again at some point.
0: Tick arrives to the party and finds Letty dancing closely with another man, which makes him very jealous. And he kind of Mm. like dead eye stares at her for probably too long too long for sure he's barely
1: blinking she does notice and she's like i'm just not gonna look in that direction anymore that direction
0: is hostile letty goes to the bathroom there's a spooky ghost in the mirror but she doesn't notice probably that ghost is disappointed he's like well i wanted you to look at me and be scared yeah right what is a
1: ghost's purpose if not to scare the shit out of people so it's just a bummer when it doesn't
0: happen tick arrives and without a single word starts to make out with and undress Letty, they have sex, but I gotta say, it seems like Tick pretty much blows it, like, immediately. (laughs) Like, (laughs) how so? One pump
1: chump. Oh, wow. well, to be fair, she'll say later and inform Tick that she was a virgin, which during or after the sex scene, she's bleeding. So my first initial reaction was that they were having period sex, which there is a wonderful song about in <laughs> the show crazy ex-girlfriend written by rachel bloom great song actually good song funny song go i, I sound like donald trump <laughs> great song funny song so go watch that on youtube but it could just be that she
0: was losing her virginity in that moment All Right, but yeah it doesn't explain why, why why tick was able to have sex only for like 15 seconds before blowing it unless it was, maybe it was his first time too i guess <laughs> we have time restraints here, James, okay? Yeah, well, well you just shoot the show. scene a little differently to imply that time has passed. <laughs> no,
1: they were. it was an intimate moment, James, okay? Doesn't right, matter if it's five, or five minutes. All I'm saying is on now that it's canon t- to tick. the show
0: that Tick is a premature ejaculator, all right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, to make matters worse, you know, once they finish Letty's bleeding, she gives the excuse, like, oh, I'm, you know, that's that time of the month. And she's really embarrassed and kind of looks to Tick to reassure her. And he just leaves. It's like, Tick, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, yeah. He did it such a good do you, job Do you overall. like this girl? Because, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're really blowing it right now. Sometime later, the party is interrupted when a burning cross is set up on their lawn. I hate when that happens. This sets Letty off. And as Tick and a few other guys stand guard in the lawn... She smashes the cars, uh, which the neighbors have left in front of the house, including the one that's been setting the horn off all day.
1: As that occurs, they know what's about to happen next. They all get on their knees and put their hands on their heads. Letty gets arrested and then put into a cop car where they just like straight up torture her.
0: Yeah, they give her what is called a, a in police parlance, a rough ride where, you know, there's nothing, there's no seat belt holding her to the seat and the car is like swinging wildly from side to side which throws her around which uh has killed people in the past in real life there have been high profile cases of people dying this way in the past i think to the point where like most states have have like come down hard on cops that do this and
1: she's being interrogated about how she had the ability to buy the house in
0: the first place The cop doing this to her also reveals that in the past, the bodies of eight murdered black Southside residents were found in the sub-basement of the house. And he's like, it'll probably happen to you, too. (laughs) If I don't murder you with this
1: fucking car first. And also, he told her that it was called the Winthrop House.
0: Day four. Is it day four? I, I, I thought it was day four. I don't know. Day four, day nine, another day. Letty is developing photos in the sub-basement when she discovers a strange face-like pattern recurring on all the pictures. So she spreads them out on the floor like Perry Mason, and a ghostly figure emerges and orders her out of the house.
1: The amount of spatial reasoning Letty has to be able to do
0: what she just did is actually nuts. Yeah, she must have high visual multiple intelligence. Of course she does. She's Letitia fucking Lewis. I recently took the multiple intelligence tests as it's something even though it's been pretty much debunked it's something that i teach in one of my courses and uh, according to the test i have high intrapersonal intelligence right so i i i, I, I can look inside my own mind palace mm. my mind palace all the doors are
1: locked what does that mean james <laughs> I mean, that I wish you were just gone.
0: <laughs> I wish you just hung up. You're like, I can't do it anymore. Upstairs, Ruby tells Letty that all the boarders are frightened by her actions the other night, that they think that she is going to spur on more violent action by the racist neighbors, and they want to move out, which means that they won't be afforded to make the next payment on the house. Letty reveals that actually she can still afford the house because she still has some of a large inheritance that she received from her late estranged mother. This fact enrages Ruby, who feels like Letty never really acted like a true member of the family most of her life, and so it's really unfair that their mom left money to her and not her other siblings, and it's also unfair that Letty did not immediately think to split that money amongst her siblings.
1: Letty's side of the story is, let me do something that will bring Ruby and I closer together, Also, Letty might have been led to this decision, consciously or subconsciously. So it's not exactly her fault, but Ruby doesn't know that. So Ruby's like, another selfish decision by a selfish human being. I don't know why I gave you another chance. I'm sure I'll forget about this in an episode or two and give you at least one more, if not
0: ten more chances. In another scene, Hippolyta goes to Montrose's office to question him about George's death. Because she suspects there's something going on, but he does not let up. So this, I think, this is stringing along to what's going to eventually be Hippolyta's story arc. She's going to try to find out what happened to George.
1: Right. She'll most likely,
0: it seems now, have a episode of her own. Day 10. Tick meets with Letty in a diner. She shows him the research that she's done in the house, which used to belong to a mad scientist named Epstein. Interesting choice of name yeah tough times epstein who kidnapped and experimented on eight people that he took from the south side letty wants to find some way to help the ghosts that are trapped in the house tick is like you should probably just move out right get out while the getting is good and she's like no
1: i'm within a mystery i must solve said mystery i can't just leave the haunted house that's gonna kill me with a fast-moving elevator behind
0: Letty also drops the bomb that the night that they were together, Tick actually took her virginity. Tick tries to apologize, but she says that she's not upset about it and that she wanted to be with him to try to escape from the fear and anxiety that she's having over all the horrifying and paranormal things that have been happening to her.
1: Yeah, but like next time, don't leave immediately, maybe? I don't know. I have some expectations for next time that you must meet.
0: She didn't say that. I'm talking... Talking for her. She doesn't need to be talked for. I'm just saying, tick. She deserves better. Later, they bring a spirit medium to exercise the house. The first thing this woman does is sacrifice a, a goat on the porch. Sorry, goat. Yeah,
1: while the neighbors watched. They're like, oh my god. I felt like I was watching Jurassic Park. Like, what's
0: gonna happen to that goat? Are they gonna eat that goat? No. No, it was worse. They stabbed that goat. They go to the sub basement and begin holding a seance. And at the same time... Three of the racist neighbors from earlier try to break their way into the house. And you might recall
1: at the beginning of the episode, the title sequence said that three people were going to die in this house. And I
0: was like, oh, please be these white people. As the seance continues, the bad guys are searching their way through the house when they start to hear mysterious whispering voices. Yeah, I mean, you went into a haunted house. You fucked up. Two of them get locked in the same room that Hippolyta entered and are attacked by the ghost of one of Epstein's experiments, a creepy baby-headed man.
1: Baby-headed basketball player will haunt me forever. It is next level, not scary, disturbing, just a baby's head on her big old body. Fuck that
0: noise, dude. The other one looks down the elevator shaft, what are you looking for, first of all, and gets decapitated.
1: That elevator goes a million miles an hour and takes his brain off so quickly. Gushing blood looks pretty, 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 pretty cool. For someone who doesn't like horror or gore or anything like that, I was like, yeah, fuck that white kid. Glad his head is gone.
0: The seance seems to be working and the paranormal activity is like stopping or getting less severe when suddenly an overhead pipe bursts, spraying them with water, washing away protective marks that the medium had drawn on their foreheads in goat's blood. Which
1: begins the moment in time where the medium regretted doing this in the first place. The
0: medium is killed by a violent ghostly force and Tick is possessed by the spirit of the mad scientist who again orders Letty from the house.
1: I was like, oh my god, is this gonna be Snake Penis Part 2? But thankfully, it was just a
0: regular exorcism. Letty calls on the spirits of Epstein's victims to help her fight back against their killer, and together they all join hands and cast his spirit out of the house. An actually beautiful scene where Letty
1: says the names of these people like they matter, and they are in turn healed. The baby becoming a baby again, the basketball player with his normal head, so on and so forth. It
0: was just like justice porn, basically. Some time later has passed, and the boarding house is now totally fixed up and running successfully. A local reporter has come by to do a story on Letty, and she asks about the missing neighbors, and Letty plays dumb. Or maybe Letty doesn't actually know. It's it's not clear.
1: Mm, I mean, someone had to drag the headless white person's body to the very, very lowest floor of the house, which we then travel on the elevator down there, and it looks like a cave full of skeletons
0: not a neat place to be downtown tick meets with who else but christina braithwaite and i don't know does did he sense that she was here did he just happen to see her i don't know i think he was just in the center of town and sees the silver car pull in and then
1: goes across the street but like right he has the gun on him is he just carrying that around
0: willy-nilly all the time now he is deduced that the mad scientist epstein was a follower of the order of the sacred dawn in some way she reveals that indeed he was a disciple of winthrop a man who broke off from the order of the sacred dawn and stole some pages out of the book of names also turns out christina was the one who gave letty a bunch of money and said it was from her dead mom ruining her relationship with Rumi. christine doesn't care she's looking for these pages she thinks if she gets the pages she can
1: do what her father never could before he got turned into stone and crumbled like an idiot, and proved to the world that not only is she the most powerful
0: wizard on Earth, but she did it while being a woman. Fuck you. Christina says that she's come to Chicago to track down the missing pages, the book of names, and she wants Tick's help. Tick tries to shoot her, but she freezes him with her TK, and she offers to teach him more about his lineage if he ever decides to come around. The last sentence of this
1: episode is, From Christina to Tick, you know, you can't just go around killing white women. Where she's basically describing to him, listen, I'm not a fan of the racism. I think it is antiquated and awful. But I will use it to my advantage. Because I will use anything that I can to my advantage. I'm a
0: ruthless son of a bitch. To be honest, I really liked this episode. I liked it as like a self-contained horror story. Right. And then they brought back Christina and I was like, well, I thought we were done with
1: her. Nah, she's like the whole story. She's the big baddie, like... I think she's going to be in half, if not a third of the episodes, if not every one of them. She might literally be in every one of the episodes following up, where if she's not the main plot line or the main baddie in the story, they check in on her or Tick finds her for five minutes at the end. Like, this is what's going to happen, where it's going to feel like a story within itself that has nothing to do with Christina Brathwaite, and then at the end, it's going to be like, oh, it's Christina all along.
0: Six more times. So, the next episode... Is called a History of Violence, which was also a a pretty good movie. Oh, really? Starring Eric I
1: fucking hate that movie. I walked out of it. (laughs) You didn't like? Why didn't you like it? This is now a podcast about a History of Violence. I. It was just the worst. Like it was. I think I like Viggo Mortensen, but I think he would like a cardboard box would have done a better job in that movie than he did. (laughs) The entire plot was just so boring. Uh, it was. I, it was only w- one of two movies I've ever walked out of. The other you might have been there for. It was that Woody Allen movie. What's the fucking name of that movie about? Like Jobs. It was very yellow. Woody Allen movies. This is a long. This is gonna be a long fucking list. Um. No, oh, I don't know. Fuck it. Who cares? Anyway. Yeah. No, it was just a bad, bad fucking movie. In
0: my opinion. Okay, but that's fine. We can disagree. I walked out of the movie Domino. I thought it was really bad.
1: I didn't see that. Now I wish I did. I love walk out of movie stories. Just something you're like, I, I'm, I will not donate my time to this anymore.
0: But yeah, other than the fact that, you know, I'm not so happy to see Christina and to have her back into the plot or whatever. I, I got, I really liked episode three, probably my favorite episode so far. I don't know. I I, I've, I like the horror genre, and I would say this was more like traditional horror forward Whereas the other one was more like Lovecraft tropesy kind of horror, which I don't really find scary, although I do enjoy it. I did find moments of this episode scary. You know, the missing jaw ghost and the baby head ghost was a very that was that was a that was a, a screwball right there. I did not see that coming.
1: It was small time crooks. Oh, I haven't seen that one, but
0: I heard it's very boring. Aw, yeah, the movie was
1: ass. Anyway, yeah, exactly what I thought was going to happen happened where the second episode was odd and rushed and there were choices that I would have made differently. And then the third episode, at least the first 55 minutes of it, was a contained, well-written story that I enjoyed very much. And it took a whole story. You know, episodes one and two was one story split into two. Episode three was one whole story. So episode four is going to be its own thing as well, unless it's, you know, four and five are one story split into two again. I just hope not. I hope they keep doing this where they do one episode for one story because, you know, television based off books are pretty good because they have a
0: document to only improve upon hopefully so the next episode uh written again by Misha Green but this time directed by Victoria Mahoney who I'm not familiar with but I'm now looking at her she was a second unit director on the Rise of Skywalker oh which that you got to have that on your resume I mean it's I want to
1: be a director I wouldn't mind that be it's better than nothing on your resume <laughs>
0: So thanks for listening, guys. If you're just listening, it means a lot. If you want to go the extra mile, follow us on Twitter. He's at WestworldRyan. I'm at Men. We're also on Facebook. We never mentioned that. The HBO Boys. That's because I do a bad job of posting things on there. You can also, for a dollar a month, contribute to our Patreon, which gives you access to bonus content. Our Discord chat, where you can chat with Ryan and I. And Ryan, will shout out your name at the end of each show. As I'm about to do right now. Branko, Hardbug,
1: Greg, Nicole, Day11 Podcast, James, Watch My Dong. Uh, I watched it. It's huge. Were you on your phone then? Not this time. Did you go to your phone? No. no? Wow, you're, you're learning. Cliff Wilding, Hello, Underscore, Yo, Atheism is Unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brent, Day11, Westworld, Cameron, Andreas, Craig, John Jerz, and Major Woody. September 1st, it re-upped the Patreon. I think we lost one. I don't know who. And you know what? If you come back, I won't, I won't even call you out.
0: I'll, just, I'll I'll welcome you back with open arms. And join us here next week for Lovecraft Country. No, join us here in a few days for the premiere of Raised by Wolves. Oh my god. Two
1: podcasts at once. Will we lose our minds? I'm James. Oh, do we still do that at the end of the show? I'm James. We do do that on the show. Okay. And I'm Ryan. And this is the HBO Boys Podcast. I feel like maybe maybe
0: we didn't do it last week or something.
1: Mm, yeah, we tried to get out of it. But, you know, it's tried and true, James. Okay. It, it, to hit the nail on the head at, at the end of the HBO Boys podcast, we have to say our names and remind everyone what the podcast
0: name is. It is known. Right. Because you know, we only say it at the beginning and the end of the show. And it's also the logo. So you got it.
1: Patreon.com slash the HBO Boys. Uh, step.